Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Welcome to Red Inca. I'm Jared Kimber. This episode of Red Inca, we look at West Indian batter Johnson Charles. And for that, we bring on an expert in West Indian cricket. My name is Mashal St. Patrick Hewitt, and I am one half of the Caribbean Cricket Podcast. We talk about the recent rise of this World Cup winner, how he has found consistency, where he has played, what has changed, why it is so surprisingly, and maybe most important of all, why do West Indies players keep developing so late? I want to talk to you about Johnson Charles because I don't think enough people talk about Johnson Charles in everyday life, Michelle. Uh, for one thing, I don't know if any player's ever done less to get their own grandstand named after them. You could argue a lot of administrators might have done less to get their own grandstand named after them. But I, don't, I mean, Johnson Charles got a grandstand so early in his career that like, he was still working out who he was as a human being uh, when he had it. He obviously, I, I think he has one of the great names in cricket. Sounds like he should be like, the third lead in an Arnold Schwarzenegger film from like 1986. Um, you know, maybe, maybe like a character um, in Predator or something along those lines. But the main reason I want to talk to, about him is because very, very recently he's become very, very good. And I don't know about you, but I feel a little bit cheated by this because his unpredictability was part of his mystiques. Like you didn't know what Johnson Charles was going to turn up in any particular innings. And he's been around for like a million years by this stage. Like he's had a very long career and he's maintained consistent unpredictability. And now he's decided to get very good. And for me personally, that's rotting my brain a little bit. Uh, <laughs> all, all, all week in thinking about this episode, I've been wondering what's the, what's the line? What is the official Caribbean career podcast <laughs> line on, on Johnson Charles? And I think I'm, I'm willing to concede that he has had a late career renaissance. And I know, mm. uh, I, I know, Jared, you're saying he's got good. And I, I, I agree with you, but I think I qualify that with good in a West Indian context. Because yes. is, he, is he good from a world-class T20 perspective? Probably not. Um, is he good in so much as does he deserve to be back amongst the key players in Maroon? And seen as like one of, if not the first choice on one of the first choices on the team sheet, but one of your starting 11, 12, 13 players, then, then yes. What I find baffling though, and I'm sure we're going to get into it, is why he's only managed to do it now. And actually, 
is this really any different to earlier iterations of Johnson Charles? Because when I look at how Johnson Charles plays now versus how Johnson Charles used to play, I think you have to do a real proper forensic deep dive to find the little tweaks he may or may not have made to 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 to, to explain away this renaissance. I mean, I'm, I'm saying a lot here, or is it just he has only just found his true self and he's understood his real ability at the age of 34? This show leans in hard on data and technology, so we are proud to work with HCL Tech, leaders in their field. Well, I think, I mean, there are lots of things that make me think that it could be a fluke, right? Mm. And one of those is that for a long period of time, he played around the world, right? Now, he didn't play as much as, even so, forget the top West Indian players, he didn't play as much as someone like Andre Fletcher or, you know, some of those even middle tier guys. But he played in the Afghan League, he played in the BPL, he played in the uh, PSL, plus he played international cricket, right? And he's old and he, you know, he he's probably played club cricket in America and got paid in those sorts of things. He would have played in those Trinidad leagues over and over again. Like he's a thorough professional who is used to playing for his, his, his wage, right? And yet none of that ever seemed to really rub off on the way that he played. You know, he's, he's essentially, he cuts the ball quite well early on and slashes through point. And then he gets to a point where he tries to heave everything for six and it's kind of, breathtaking and 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 everything else but it's like he would have to be one of the most one-dimensional players i think i've ever seen and you know if he was slightly better at those two things i mean he's quite good through point to be fair but the minute people start bowling straight his only option seems to be can i slog him even further than i did a couple of minutes ago um and the the normal career path should have been yeah he's a bit rough when he comes through he then starts to play in leagues because of his power, which is very fair. And then over time, he picks up a few other things and, and he starts to improve. That didn't seem to happen for like a very, very long time. And everyone's on a different growth curve. You're a teacher. You know all about this sort of stuff. Not everyone you know, improves linear and everything else. But his growth curve does seem baffling for someone who had as much experience outside the West Indies as he did. Yeah, and I mean... Just to clarify this for people, because even people listening to this may not understand how how bizarre this is. So Johnson Charles, of course, a member of the 2016 World Cup uh, winning squad, he went six years before he got another T20 international cap. And what's weird, Jared, is in that time, he's had spurts of good form again and he wasn't picked. And that's what that's what makes this whole thing, I guess, even weirder for me is it's not like. He was trash from 2016 all the way through to 2022. Suddenly had an Indian summer in CPL and now he's back. 2019 CPL, he was good, wasn't picked. So I'm just intrigued to know, understand why now? What, what was different about what he's been doing now that suddenly got him back on the international scene um, for the West Indies? And as you correctly point out, he also was starting to pick up more let's call them substantial T20 opportunities. And when I say substantial, I mean like getting like a replacement deal in the PSL. Now I'm sure some people say, oh, well, PSL isn't substantial. Well, it's better than CPL, I would say. So he, he, was, he was starting to get a few more deals here. In fact, even, was it this year just gone where he got a replacement deal in the, he didn't play, but he got a replacement deal um, in the IPL. Um, so he's, He's, he's obviously turned heads 
But as you, I guess, as you alluded to, Jared, he hasn't. This is still the same. I maintain this is still the same Johnson Charles. He's not invented a new range of shots. To me, he is still. I feel like I'm doing him a disservice, but to me, he is still a stand and deliver cricketer. See ball, hit ball, and if I'm seeing it really well, I'm going to like completely dismantle whatever attack it is. But I would still say that makes him a one in every five, six innings. Maybe he's better than that, but that's what it feels like to me. One in every five, six, which is why I'm reluctant to call it such a a, a, a renaissance, but maybe or resurgence even, but maybe that is a resurgence in the context of West Indies cricket. Well, the interesting thing about his technique is, so Ari's wrote a piece that you guys um, sent out on your Patreon. Yeah. Is it on your Patreon? I know I read it uh, somewhere. Substack, on your Substack, right, Substack. Whatever. Yeah, Substack. Um, and he talked about his X-factor stretches and shoulder alignment and all that sort of stuff. And I'm sure there are, I didn't see it in the foot in the footage that I looked at. What, what I really saw was that he has slightly gone from what I would say was a slogger stance, which is, kind of his foot down the wicket, ready to get it out the way as quickly as possible so he could swing across the line. Mm. Um, and he looks slightly more like a batter than he ever has before. Okay, right? yeah. So perhaps that is perhaps that is one of the, the things. Um, but he's still more or less the same player that he has always been. As you said, I don't think he's added really any new shots. I don't think he's improved against the things that he had always struggled against or anything, you know, of that kind of factor. Um but that power, I think, has always been there. I, I remember, I, I'm trying to remember, I think really early on in his career. Did he play 2012 uh, World Cup as well? Was he around then? Was he not in that squad? I want to say he was in that squad. I want to clarify that for you in a second. But I want to say, in fact, yeah, I, I, uh, yes. I want to say he was in that 2012 squad, but I will clarify. Yeah. So... He's been around for a long time, and I think he had he's had repeated trials with IPL teams um, over that period. And if not with IPL teams, then scouts have gone to watch him and you know looked at footage and everything else. Like he's been in the conversation, you know, and that's a lot different from. I mean, at the moment, you would have to say his career highlight is outside of playing for the West Indies, of course, and you know winning the World Cup. But his career highlight as a T Twenty player um, is probably getting either called up to the IPL and not playing, or you know getting half a season in the PSL, right? We're not talking about a top-level player, and yet for a long period of time, people have been looking at him. And I, I wonder if they've been waiting for even the slight... Uh, because he's always been around, I suppose this is the way, best way of putting it to you, because he's always been around, because people know what he can do at his best, I feel like people have been waiting for the smallest string of consistency to then believe in Johnson Charles again. Because there really aren't that many top order players with that sort of natural hitting ability and power that he has. Like it's, you, you talked before about one every six innings, he's good, but one out of every 20 innings, he's incredible, right? It's one of the best hitting performances you'll see. You may not, the next 19 games, you might want to skip, mm. but that 20th game, he just goes absolutely ballistic again. We're not talking about, you know, a, a standard talent really, are we? We're talking about when he gets it right, it is another level to everyone else. Yeah, I, I would I would concur with that, and I think the most recent innings that displayed that uh, recently in South Africa um, and earlier this year, where he scored 118 off of 46 balls, and I mean I think that was his maiden. That was his maiden. I swear that was his maiden T20 ton. But that was one of those days where everything was going, and there was no there was 
the South African bowlers couldn't find anything, not even spin, which I would say is kryptonite to him. They, could, they couldn't find anything to, to, to kind of take him out of the groove that he was in. And I think that backs up your point that when he's good, he's top, top tier. It's just about how, how much of a desired characteristic is that. I don't, okay, let me rephrase. At the IPL level, I don't think that's desired enough because it's not frequent enough. But at the tier underneath that, I think there's enough interest in someone like a Johnson Charles. You're like, when you come off, you will win us that game. And that's a that's a that's a skill set worth investing, worth investing in. Now, what West Indies fans will tell you, um, just to kind of throw the the kind of West Indies insularity into this, just to help the audience understand this as well, is that West Indian fans will tell you that Johnson Charles is only back in the limelight from a West Indies perspective because Darren Sammy is now the the, the head coach of the white ball sides. And they will say that, that Johnson will, will be benefiting from a St. Lucian being in charge and, and so on and so forth. So I just wanted to throw that caveat in as well. Because I know for a fact that West Indians will listen to this and say, no, it's nothing to do with Johnson Charles' ability. It's just because we have a St. Lucian now. who, And that's just the kind of complexities of West Indies cricket, that everything must be explained through nationality and bias. <laughs> so I just I just needed to throw that in but, there. But, but you take that. I think you can actually add to that, though. I, I, I don't think that's quite true, because I do think they still waited. Like the fact that he's had two years of consistent performances in a row is probably mm. more to do with the fact that we've seen him come back. But the other side of that is that you've got a guy, I just said before, he played about five T20s, I reckon, when he got a grandstand named after him, right? Like maybe it was more than that. But it wasn't, wasn't many. He had not played a lot of cricket. He got a grandstand named after him. And yet he's not always played for St. Lucia, mm. right? And when I was working with St. Lucia and saying, should we not try and bring John? Like everyone was like, no, no. Like there's no point. He, he might be good. He might be terrible. We have no idea what he's going to be from year to year. We don't want to be involved with Johnson Charles. So it's not as if that St. Lucia has embraced him, right? Well, that, that's separate to the Darren Sammy relationship, which of course could be, you know, these things happen. Although I don't think that, you know, with how bad the West Indies have been, I'd be shocked if Darren Sammy's like, now I'm in charge. I have the ability to bring in uh, a St. Lucian cricketer finally. But the point is, he's not. he has that grandstand. If you go to St. Lucia, they, they don't, they, no one talks to you about Johnson Charles. They don't really care about Johnson Charles. Darren Sammy, you know, they'll give the island to Darren Sammy. It pretty much already have, right? He doesn't really have that reputation at home. And it's because every time you think he does something good, he kind of disappears back into the, the background a little bit again, right? Yeah. And actually, that, that point is echoed by the fact that, that that 118 I just spoke to you about, that was five innings ago, right? Since then, West Indies have played a series against India, five-match series against India, and Johnson had a terrible time of it. Let me just get up his scores. He scored 3-2-12 in the first three matches and was dropped um, and was replaced by Shea Holt. And now the joke is this. As things currently stand, when the West Indies play T20s again, when England turn up at the back end of this year, it wouldn't surprise me if Johnson Charles isn't even in the side anymore. This in spite of the fact that he's having a... Uh, I'd say a good CPL or certainly above average uh, CPL this year. So there's even the, uh, just to throw another kind of oddity to this whole Johnson Charles resurgence thing that even in spite of this, this resurgence, he's still not certain of a place in, when it, when it comes to international cricket, they've been trying, they've been 
experimenting, and this is, I guess, a question I throw to you now, Jared. Recently, they've been experimenting with him at number three, right? So you have Brandon King and Carl Mayers, probably due to right-left um, at the top of the order. Then Johnson comes in at number three, whereas my argument would be he's an opener in T20 cricket. He's not a number three bat, but again, and there's so many things you can talk about in West Indies cricket, but it's just, and we're saying Lucia now in CPL, he's opening. So the next question of all of this is, <laughs> what? how much of this is to do with where Johnson Charles is playing? What is his best position? Um, even when he got uh, a PSL a PSL deal recently, he was in the middle order. So we can't even say for certain what Johnson Charles' best position is because different teams mm-hmm. seem to have a different understanding of where best to use him. For me personally, you just put him at the top of the order and if he comes off, he comes off because you at least know that he's trying to, he's going to try and go from ball one. But it seems that teams haven't really worked out what to do with him. Well, I, this is this is something that I I think there's a lot of cricketers around the world who get m- mistreated because there really isn't anyone looking into their best interests and trying to work out how to make them best. If they're Harry Brook, right, or Nicholas Puran, people will invest in them. And you know, I'm not just talking about agents, but you know, international teams and franchises. Everyone else is kind of working on it on their own. And I wonder if this new thing of Johnson Charles actually having to bat in these other positions isn't part of his success, but not from a, you know, he, oh, he was always a number three or a number four or a number five, no, nothing like that. But what I mean is the moment he has to bat in those other positions, is it possible that he is now developing in a way which he hasn't actually done before? Because he's, he's, he's been a set and forget opener who's gone up and down, up and down. He's, well, I'll get to his full age in a moment, but he's a senior player who's taken a very, very long time to develop. Mm. And I would have to think that a big part of that is that perhaps he might have always not been an opener. And because he's better against pace than spin, they just thought he was an opener, right? But actually, you know, that doesn't play into the best part of it. But regardless of that, right, I don't think we have enough data to suggest that he's been batting in the right, right position or the wrong position. But playing in Pakistan, you know, going and playing in Zimbabwe again, um, opening, batting first drop, batting second drop, all these different things. You look at his career and it's been a little bit one-dimensional, not just the way he plays, but also the way he's been used at times. And the fact that we're still talking about a guy in his 30s, right, suggests he is not an averagely talented player, which that's what I love about Johnson Charles because you and I have probably laughed about Johnson Charles more than anyone else, right? Because we've seen the best and we've seen so much of the worst. But we're talking about him because he is actually a really, really strong player, right? And yet, Almost. I mean, if this last two years didn't happen, in 10 years' time, you and I would be, you know, sharing a, a, you know, a bourbon or a rum somewhere, and one of us would bring him up. And, you know, we'd be going, oh, I'd completely forgotten about that person. And yet he's had this, this little thing. So I wonder if there's a little bit of a development there at the end, uh, which is quite interesting. But, geez, he's waited to the last minute to develop. And, is you know, I suppose the other question then is, is that his fault? Is that someone else's fault? Um, and... We're talking about a 15-year professional career. Yeah. He's, his yeah. first T20, I don't know if you know that, 2008. He started in 2008, right? He is 33 or 34? I mean, he's old. Yeah. Like, he, is he 34? Oh, my yeah. God, right? He's 34 years old. And we, we did some research recently about 
so we think of peak for batters between the age of 28 and 32 or 27 and 33, depending on how you look at it, right? But when you actually look at that, there's a lot of players who by the age of 24 are already on the decline. So they come in, they're athletically fairly gifted, maybe they're good, good hand-eye coordination. Then opposition bowlers take about three looks at them, event, takes about two seasons, and then they start to decline. Anyone that, that lasts after that is probably a top, you know, a top talent. They may not be, you know, I know, Top level IPL talent or a top level international talent or you know a top level county talent, but they're they're a very good talented player. Do you know how many players find their peak at 34, Michelle? No one finds their peak at 34 if at 25 they could barely get into any teams that, that wanted them. That's such a bizarre time. That maybe if you're like Misbah Al Haq, right? Or Faf Duplessis, you find your peak at 34, but they were thought to be gifted players at 21, 22, 23, who maybe lost their way and took a little bit longer to develop. But by 28, 29, 30, they were already showing signs. Johnson Charles didn't really show any of those signs. He should be retired by now or playing minor league cricket. It's only when you've put it like that, that I think I've fully grasped that he's actually 34 years old. And do you know what? The, 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 <laughs> the, the reason why I think I've just not paid attention to that is because if we track the recent West Indian trend, the, 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 the trend suggests that players aren't coming into their own, whatever their own is, until 29 onwards. I've always maintained that a West Indian who hits 30-31 is where... Well, in terms of their individual peak is where Harry Brook is now at, at 20, however old he is, 22, 23. Obviously, they're not the same. They're not doing what Harry Brook's doing. But in terms of realising whatever potential or ability that they've got, um, you look at, and just to throw some names, Carl Mayers, um, Akil Hussain, even a good Akesh Moti, who's like 28. All of these players who we talk about as good, potentially talented West Indian players. They're all 30 or coming up to 30 or turning 31. So maybe Johnson Charles, and for Johnson Charles, you could read Shamar Brooks or Nkrumah Bonner or whatever it might be. Maybe just mm. for Johnson Charles, it's uh, indicative of West Indian players. And that's why I go back to that original point I made, not being able to truly understand or mature in their game till much later than it would happen for all, well, not all, but a lot of the other uh, international nations, because there's no other explanation. Like, I can't find any other logical um, explanation for it to explain, <laughs> with the greatest of respects, how a limited player at 25, albeit with two World Cups, 2012 and 2016, yeah, yeah. a limited player at 25, 26 is... Sign not okay, not significantly better, but outperforming what he was doing earlier at thirty four. Yes, there's experience, but you're supposed to be on a downward trend at at, at that stage. Um, so I, I think it. I think there might be a kind of special West Indian context to to explain some of this away. Remember that cricket is a funny game. Hundred years before we protected our heads, players looked after their groins. So don't be as stupid as old cricketers and protect your computer today. NordVPN is the protection I use when facing cyber shortfalls or when rights issues try to dismiss me. NordVPN will help you get through the straight bat of any geo blocks so you can watch all the cricket you want. If you need your pitch changed, well, NordVPN can doctor any surface to a new location so that your IP address is set up for you to win. 
Want to buy an associate cricket shirt from a place that won't ship to your country? Select NordVPN. Want to watch a game on a free stream in another hemisphere? NordVPN. Or if you just want to watch a clip on social media that a cricket board won't allow you to, promote NordVPN to pinch it for you. So if you need a VPN, go Nord. Use nordvpn.com forward slash Kimber to get a huge discount off your Nord VPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. The link is in the show notes. Protect your computer like a cricketer protects its nether region with Nord VPN today. Well, that's what I kind of guessed. I had forgotten about all the 29-year-olds, but I, I was even thinking back to you know, seeing um, Odeon Smith and Chandra Paul Hemraj and, um, you know, some of these younger players coming through, uh, you know, especially in my time with St. Lucia, where they were 18, 19, 20. And because I'm used to dealing with English cricketers and, you know, Australian cricketers, New Zealand cricketers, Indian cricketers, if I see someone good at 19 or 20, I'm like, great, put them in my memory bank, 22, 23, they should be hitting some mm. sort of level where I'm watching them. Not everyone does, of course, you know, plays fall apart and everything else. It seems like in West Indies, when you when you finally see um, Odeon come through, he's marginally better than he was at 18 or 19, but his game is still not anywhere near fully developed. Right now, I mean, what he got picked up in the IPL draft like two years ago when, when there was all that hype about him, he's still nowhere near as developed. He's still not good enough at batting or bowling to get into the top-level T20 teams in the way that he should be, yeah. right? I mean, he has so much natural talent. And... And then you talk about the Nkrumah Bonners and all those sort that sort of 28 to 32 year old. And I think you're right. So the question is that that means that we were kind of right to be low key obsessed with Johnson Charles, but keep an eye on him, right? Even as a flawed player, because there was clearly something more there. But why are the West Indian players, even the ones who are traveling overseas, not developing at the same level that even the guys of 10 or 15 years ago were like what is missing now from the let's just focus on the t20 guys here but what is missing now because it would seem to me that there's more cricket for the west indian uh, freelance guys to play in and more leagues for them to play in and yet that development seems to be slower now than it was before i mean that in itself may be a pod that we need to do um to, to, to try and truly unpick it but the most recent theory that i've been working with because it's the only logical thing I can currently think of, is maybe that now does speak to nothing more complex than, or I mean, obviously it's more complex, but nothing more complex than team, I'm going to call it team cohesion, team roles, and fitting it together like a neat jigsaw puzzle. So Johnson Charles, for all his experience around the world, has come into a West Indies team in the last year. Yeah, last year. Opened, played at number three, been dropped, opened again, played at number three. Like, surely the best sides, players know what their job is supposed to be. <laughs> I just think with, with West Indian players, you can get all the experience you want around the world. But that doesn't translate to performing consistently for the West Indies or in a West Indian context because no one truly has the like clear role definition. Johnson Charles doesn't know if he's even going to play the next T20 series right now. 
So all of this, all of this career resurgence could mean nothing come the next series against England because he might not even be there. And I think there's this, and of course we haven't even thrown in the fact that players sometimes don't want to get picked. And so I, I think when it comes to things like trying to create a clear team dynamic and therefore as an individual player performing to the expectation of what you're supposed to actually do. I don't think they know from series to series what their role is because they're never actually ever playing with the same 10 players or in the same 15-man squad, etc. I I think that makes more sense for him. I don't know if that explains everyone else, Mm. right? I don't know if that explains the the other players who aren't even in the system yet and why they're developing slower and and everyone else. But but I don't know. I mean, it's not coaching. There's world-class... I mean... West Indies have had really good head coaches. They've had incredible assistant coaches, quite a professional setup around the team. Not as many people as, you know, obviously England or India or Australia will have, you know, nothing, nothing of that sort. But there's a lot of very smart people working around the team. Um, but it, it just feels like to me, there's like a, there's a gap between 19 and I'm almost going to say 28, right? And if you break through that early, like it means that you're just so naturally talented. Um, so h- how old is um, the new test player? What's his name? Alec Athanas. Is that him? 24. 24. Isn't there a gap in his career where he disappears? Yes. <laughs> Between about, I think it was 21 to 22. So he came out of the under-19 World Cup, was the top run scorer yep. in 2018. And by 2019-20, he basically disappeared. And then has now come back again. So, so yeah. So he's done that in six years. Yeah. Right? Like, it feels to me that there's something flawed happening there and that I, I don't know what this is. I would love to talk to someone like Johnson Charles and say, you know, what, what didn't happen that needed to happen? Mm. Or is this completely on you? Is this part of the system? Is this part of the, you know, the fact that the West Indies is, it doesn't develop talent as well as it should be, be because before the talent was natural. And then you honed it when you got to the, the national team. And now it's all scattered and, and all sorts of things. Or if there's something else. But it just feels like there's something missing. And I don't think, you know, watching, you know, getting rid of Jimmy Adams, for instance, or Nicholas Perrin as captain or Kyron Pollard as captain or any of those sorts of things, that doesn't seem to be the issue. The issue seems to be that at the age of 19, 20, 21, they have what I would call regular world-class players and I don't think you should have to wait until Johnson Charles is 34 to see him at that level. Like something, it feels like something has gone wrong. And if it was one or two guys, we go, ah, oh, late bloomer. Mm-hmm. But is it possible that everyone in the region is suddenly a late bloomer, Michelle? This show is brought to you by HCL Tech, the leaders in data and technology and partnerships. And so they've formed a partnership with us and also the Australian cricket team. I mean, there's evidence to suggest the that there is there is something amiss, certainly. And actually, your suggestion of trying to speak to Johnson Giles is, is is he maybe can give a clear insight into a lot of the, the regional roles. Because again, I state, the guy won a World Cup in 2012. He won it again in 2016. Yes, okay, Darren Sammy was seen as a St. Lucian hero. But the point is, I remember those kind of uh, TV um, interviews at the time. It was him and Sammy flying back to St. Lucia with the two with the, the, the two World Cups, et cetera, et cetera. How do you fall off so badly that you never get picked again for six years? What goes on in that six-year gap? And I think if you get the answer for someone like Johnson Charles, 
as to what happened to his career in that six-year gap where he never played for West Indies again, you probably start to unpick a lot of the kind of grassroots concerns as to what happens in West Indies cricket. Because yes, we shouldn't be talking about Johnson Charles's resurgence at 2023. But after that World Cup, if we just do the quick mass, he was 27 at the time of that second World Cup, the 2016 one. He should have been him going into his peak. Instead, he disappeared off the scene. (laughs) And it would be different. It would be different too if the West Indies were doing so well. And you're just like, well, they gave him a go. They thought he was pretty good, but they had other guys. But they've tried everyone Mm. since then, right? Like everyone has played. And the fact that he, this is what I found really interesting. He didn't just come back for T20s, which is what he's famous for, despite the fact he's played more ODIs, which baffled me when I looked that up. But he's famous for T20s. But they also brought him back for ODIs. So, you know, the fact that he hadn't played in any of those things in between, all I'm saying is that we need a Johnson Charles commission. And perhaps if you unpick Johnson Charles, there are other things that you can learn all the way through. But, But I do think that talking to a lot of these guys, you know, you know, from from Alec all the way through. I mean, we're actually going to do another whole uh, podcast about, you know, Junior Chandrapal. There's an interesting interesting stuff goes on with his career as well. But there's too many weird, interesting stories. Mm-hmm. And, you know, watching Rakeem Cornwall, you know, make, become really good. He should have been really good a decade ago, right? Yeah. With his natural talent. There's no reason why he shouldn't have been dominated. There's all these different guys. And you go through the system. There has to be something wrong. And I wonder in West Indies cricket that there's, I think, you know, I know the politics have been a big issue over the last, you know, forever. Um, but but I do wonder if there's also, there always seems to be someone who think, you know, and I thought Ricky Skerritt did a really good job, but there's always someone seen as like the savior or the guy's going to make the money or the guy's going to do everything else. The one thing I don't see enough of in West Indies cricket is literally asking all the workaday people to just come in and do the sort of thing that we've seen in English and Australian and even New Zealand, Irish cricket at times, where you just say, cards on the table, we want to talk about your career, then we want to talk about how we're not supporting you correctly and what we can do here. And I would think that I, I, Johnson Charles would be the almost ideal person to start with just because he's been there so damn long and is still, you know, performing. Yeah, yeah. Um, there, was a, there was an inquest after the 2022 T uh, Twenty World Cup debacle, yep. but um, and allegedly um, all of the players contributed and had their say about what went wrong. There, we'll never know which player said what. Now, Johnson Charles at that twenty twenty two World Cup was one of the few players that could come out of that World Cup saying, "Well, I kind of held my hand up. I, I performed to what I was expected to do." Um, it will be very interesting to know what his because he in that in the context of that twenty twenty two World Cup side T Twenty World Cup side. He would be a senior states person. He's a senior states person now mm. um, in the, in the current T Twenty side. And like I say, I think a lot, as you say, it would be very, very instructive to see what he, as somebody who's been there when the T Twenty side was good, to now coming through the other end and having his Indian Indian summer. What, yeah, what what his analysis of the last effectively ten years tells us about developmental flaws within the system and how it's impacted him mm. and therefore yeah what impact what that suggests about the impact it might have um on on other players 
coming up through the system. Johnson, Charles, if you're listening to this, please get in touch. We need to we need to know your answers. <laughs> we need to know everything. I, I think having the inquest on that World Cup was fine, but as you and I, I think, predicted, they actually performed more or less as we thought they would. Yeah. That wasn't the time to do the inquest. That wasn't the thing to do the inquest on, right? You do the inquest on why we all thought that they would have not made yes, it. Exactly. Uh, but anyway, Michelle, thank you very much for coming on the show and I'll see you again next time. No problem. Thanks for listening. This podcast has an ad-free version via Patreon, where there are many other extras as well, including a Discord channel. There's a link to those in the show notes. Please review, subscribe, and tell all your friends about our show. Word of mouth is the best way of making our podcast grow. If we had a guest on, chances are their socials are in the show notes. Please support everyone who comes on this show. I am Jared Kimber, and this is my network. But we also have hosts and co-hosts like Barat Sundaresan and Bayram Kazi. This network is overseen by Nick McCorriston. Each episode is produced by Ishit Kuberka at Sound Potion Studio. The team from 42 help us out with the video side. Orijoti, Saina Paye, and Maida Akam, both producing podcasts, while Mukunda Bandredi is the head of our YouTube content. Feeling lazy about promoting your podcasts and videos? Memento FM has your back. Their seamless platform cuts and promotes all your content effortlessly. It's laziness approved. Try Memento FM today.